everyone, and welcome to the second installment of Wonderfilled Week Presents the 65 Roses series. I hope everyone enjoyed Chapter 1, A Mother's Love, featuring Ellen Ann Higginbotham and Tony Corey. Ellen Ann and Tony certainly did a beautiful job detailing their personal experiences as moms of boys with CF. I know that I personally felt the love they have for their family threaded into every sentence, story, and sentiment. There truly is nothing quite like a mother's love. It knows no bounds, no limitations, and certainly no end. A special thanks to these special mamas for being an integral part of this series. I know their words of wisdom will touch fellow CF moms. Today, I have the pleasure of presenting Chapter 2 of the 65 Roses series, A Father's Bond. Ellen Ann's husband, Steve Higginbotham, and Tony's husband, Jack Corey, gifted me with the opportunity to sit down with each of them and dive into a bond that truly can never be broken, that of a father and his children. Without further ado, here is Chapter 2. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Before we dive into the subject, why don't you give us a brief intro about yourself? Sounds good. My name is Steve Higginbotham. I'm retired after a career in banking. My connection to CF is significant. Uh, the father of two sons who were born with cystic fibrosis, and also one of my nephews, Brian, also has cystic fibrosis. So it's a very significant family connection. Absolutely. And you've been on this journey for quite some time, nearly 40 years. That's correct. Okay. So I figure, you know, I had the pleasure of speaking to your wife, Ellen Ann, yes. and I figured, you know, a father-son relationship is very important. And I didn't want to, mm -hmm. you know, I would be remiss if I didn't include that into this series. I think that the relationship that fathers and sons have is very special. And so I, was, it, I really appreciate you being on, um, you know, I know it's a difficult subject to talk about, but I think it's an important story to share. I think you have a lot of insight. I think your experience will inspire others, other parents of children with CF. Um, so I, again, I just really appreciate you being here. So let's begin at the beginning. Sounds good. After, after receiving Jeff's diagnosis around that five-week mark, what were your initial feelings and thoughts? And, and what did those first days and weeks look like for you and Ellen Ann? Well, very obviously, um, emotional, stressful time. Um, you know, this was the CF world of 1983, where uh, there wasn't really a lot of visibility into the world of CF. Certainly, Ellen Ann and I didn't know anything about cystic fibrosis. Um, so to, to go from a situation where you bring home a what appeared to be a very healthy young guy at 10 pounds, 13 ounces, if I get that correct, and then have uh, 
have the child struggle, uh, obviously then um, receive the diagnosis. And then it's, uh, you know, there's obviously shock, you know, fear of the unknown, um, the need to get educated pretty quickly about um, what life looks like. Uh, uh, first of all, I think, kind of get past that initial threshold of uh, stabilizing the child's health uh, to get to the point where uh, you could bring, in this case, Jeff, you could bring Jeff home. Um, but, you know, during that period of time, there's an, you know, an emotional and educational process going on where, you know, what is cystic fibrosis, you know, is cystic fibrosis, is it a short-term issue? You know, the basics, is it a short-term problem? Is it a long-term problem? Obviously, you find out very quickly that it's a lifetime commitment for everyone, whether it be the parents, obviously the patient, um, and also friends and extended family. Um, so it's, you know, it's unlike a lot of, you know, I guess childhood illnesses that many of which can be dealt with more expeditiously. So, uh, you know, very quickly you, you kind of have to get your head around it and um, for the benefit of not only in this case, Jeff, but we have two older daughters, uh, Kate and Meg, uh, who were very young at the time. And, uh, you know, for their well-being also. So the educational part was important. Um, unfortunately, the CF world in 1983, those weren't exactly positive, <clears throat> excuse me, those weren't exactly positive um, reports uh, relative to uh, quality of life, life expectancy, all of those things. So, um, challenging time and you know one certainly we were very fortunate to work through together with a lot of support i think you know that's amazing because i think you know i only learned about cf in my adulthood so there's been many advancements made i can't even imagine being a parent in the 80s you know having no prior experience with cystic fibrosis having two small daughters at home and really you know with two blossoming careers and you're really learning all of this on the fly so I can't imagine I'm sure it was just sort of like powering through because I'm sure that's all you could do there was really no time to waste I think that's part of CF there's no time to waste well so I'm sure you know you and Ellen got right down to business educating yourselves well it's like a lot of things in life you have to put your game face on and um, move forward to you know the prime you know the primary motivation is obviously um, to uh, put your child in the best position possible to succeed physically uh, in their health and emotionally. Um, and that also obviously extends to our other, our other children. So yeah, you really do have to get down to business pretty quickly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we had certainly a very supportive family environment. We had a, uh, a very, very good pediatrician, uh, Dr. Orson, uh, who was kind of our initial mentor as far as CF, and then uh, Dr. Marianne Pizarro, uh, who was then our longtime CF specialist here in Rhode Island. So 
uh, a lot of support, uh, which is just so key. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, just a very challenging time and, um, you know, feelings of helplessness and, um, but, you know, a lot of determination. Absolutely. And I think you and Ellen are the epitome of strength and determination. That's exactly how I would describe you as a couple. But I'm thinking back, you know, to the mm. 80s where you're explaining how the life expectancy was grim, how the reports were not positive like they are now. You know, it's ever changing. Right. But, you know, I wonder as a parent <clears throat> back then when you aren't sure what's going to happen and the life expectancy is very low at that time. How did you go about your parenting? You said you're already a parent to two young girls. And, you know, we all want to raise, you know, strong children with good morals. That's, you know, you guys are great parents. Did you have to differentiate it for the boys? Did you find yourself going easier on them? Was it tempting to go easier on the boys? Or did you try to make it uniform? Well, Matthew, uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the two boys, Jeff and Matt, Matt had the benefit that Jeff was already the family trailer so we were a bit more experienced at that point in time uh, i think uh, you know you can't simplify it but i think very early on um, we decided that um, the 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 goal was uh, a normal life right and uh, you know everything that goes with that which is you know emphasis on education, participation in sports, if it's possible, um, goals, even at a young age. And, you know, and I don't mean that from a, an overbearing standpoint, but I think it's, it's from um, encouragement and expectations. And, um, you know, you want them all to have a nice circle of friends and, uh, you know, all three of the boys have been so blessed with that. Um, uh, so it's that, yeah, I would say the parenting style is we, we tried as best as possible to um, have the same kind of goals, objectives, expectation levels for, at that point in time, all three of our children. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it in some funny ways it 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 influences your disciplining on both sides because it's not only how you discipline your child with CF, it's how you discipline your other children. And do you um, you know, do you get hopefully you don't get sloppy on that end by the focus on your child who's facing these challenges and you know, you got to make sure that you keep the eye, your eye on the ball and that, um, you know, for example, you know, Kate and Meg's activities are as important as the boys' activities, right? And, uh, and their education and everything that goes with that. So I think as best you can, we thought the best route was, you know, how do we, how do we have an environment that, um, uh, the child is, you know, thinks, you know, normal is a terrible word, right? But you know, I'll use it anyway. But but thinks from a health perspective that that doesn't define who they are, 
right? That's, you know, they're not, you know, Jeff, Matt, Jeff or Matt Higginbotham, uh, you know, slash CF, right? They are individuals, they're smart, they have goals, they, right, they have skills. Um, and um, to, to create an environment where, you know, the girls were, have, have been and are tremendous sisters to their brothers, um, but also uh, even though they doted on them, um, I think they also treated them very much like two pain in the neck younger brothers, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, I think, you know, Ellen and I have talked about this a thousand times over the years, that search for normalcy, family life, the search for the boys to have um, the same opportunities as the girls, um, for us to, um, probably the biggest difference, and, and Kayla, you'll appreciate this, obviously, in your own family, is, you know, the difference, uh, the difference between girls and boys from a parental standpoint uh, is, in some ways, um, we used to laugh, it would, it would be many times a little bit easier sometimes to discipline Jeff uh, is, and then ultimately Matt, because sometimes with boys, you can just say, what are you thinking? You know, what, what'd you do that for? <laughs> exactly. And, and then, and then the discussion's over in 30 seconds where sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes it's a little longer with your daughters. Exactly. Um, That's the blessing of a son. You're not, you yeah. Say yeah. it and be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then move on. <laughs> but, uh, I think expectation levels are important, you know, for, for them. And, um, and cause I think the, um, you know, let's face it, it, this is complicated. You've got the physical side of it, the problem and the issue, and then you've got the emotional, psychological, uh, mental health, maybe you'd even say side of this that I think in some ways, uh, from conversations with uh, not only professionals over the years, but in particular with the boys, I think that's maybe even more challenging is to deal with the day-to-day regimen that they have to follow, that, um, you know, the commitment this requires from them. Um, um, you know, it is a, uh, you know, unlike a lot of things, as we said earlier, it's a lifetime commitment. And you've got to really, I think, gear up for that. And then I think quickly they see that the more dedicated they are, many times the better the result. So there is some positive reinforcement, certainly. But, you know, it's, um, you know, it requires a lot of discipline on their part. You know, family's part, too, but, you know, they're the primary focus. I think that you hit the nail on the head, you know, a lifetime commitment. I think that's the perfect way I've heard it described. It's a commitment from the parents. It's a commitment from the patient, the siblings, the extended family support system. But I really believe that your instincts were right on with Ellen Ann, you know, in terms of, no, we're going to hold them to expectations and we're going to push them to their, you know, to the limit in a healthy way and not coddle them or baby them. You know, like you said, it's not um, Jeff and Matt, comma, CF. 
they're dynamic men, each of them, and they, you know, they certainly don't lead with CF. It's a big part of their life, but there's so much more to their personality and their identity. And I think your instincts were right on because, of course, they exceed those childhood life expectancies or expectations that the doctors may have had, you know, just for a patient with no face. But these are, you know, real children. These are your real children, and you wanted them to have a full, well-rounded life. And I think, you know, your instincts were right on because I'm sure it's hard as a parent. You want to, you know, if they're not feeling well, it's easier to baby them, to coddle them, to discipline the girls over the boys. But, you know, you said it was quite the opposite. You just treated them normally. And sometimes with sons, it's easier to just get the conversation done. But well, I think I really admire your lifetime well, commitment to the family. Well, th thank you. I, uh, I'll tell you one thing. We were always afraid that what if we woke up one day and... Uh, we hadn't pushed them and not pu I, I don't like push but we hadn't been as encouraging right and and had you know kind of worked with them to have the kind of expectations they should have then you wake up and there's advancements as we've seen in CF and then you have you know a child in their teens um uh, late teens, college age, that doesn't have educational goals, doesn't have goals beyond their education, has been kind of in this bubble or this sheltered existence where, you know, everything was okay. It was okay not to try. It was okay. Uh, everyone fails at things. But, you know, that uh, they didn't have that support system where, said, yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a star athlete, but I can participate, right? My health isn't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel 100% physically, but I can try this. And, uh, and um, so we, we really always worried about being in the situation where we underserved them by uh, taking our foot off the gas, I guess is a good way to put it. And, and having them be satisfied with, you know, you know, uh, second second best or lack of effort. So, um, you know, that's and obviously, you know, um, I guess we've been some somewhat successful in that. But uh, but you know, you just didn't want to wake up one day and, and say, Jeff or Matt, um, they're just not. They have no objective in life. They have no goals. They, you know, they've lost contact with their friends because their friends have moved on in life to other expectations and other endeavors. So, um, we, we uh, that was always in the back of our minds. I think. Yeah, and I think you know that's yeah. a that just shows you and Ellen Ann's relationship and bond and and discussions and those private discussions behind closed doors. And I think that's true because, as you said before, it's such a mental game. It's just as much a mental game, if not more, than a physical game. Um, I know Ryan expresses that to me a lot. The mental health side is difficult. And, you know, if they didn't have these goals, if they didn't have things to work towards, then CF would be their only identifier. And that would be a very lonely life, and that would be a very difficult and sad life. And so I think you guys were right on with that. 
Uh, being the patriarch of the family, you know, I always look to you, Steve. You're a tall, regal man. You know, you are just the epitome of strength, you know, humor. <laughs> and, and, you know, you've handled everything with such grace and dignity, you and Ellen and both. But do you ever sometimes feel as the patriarch of the family an expectation to be that pillar of strength? And where do you draw your strength from on the hard days? Yeah, you definitely do. I think, um, you know, just as Ellen Ann on the other side of the coin has those same expectations and challenges, you know, I think uh, the, the, the father figure is important in any family. I saw that firsthand in my own family. My father died when all of us were pretty young. I was nine and, you know, I saw the void that that created, you know, in particular for the support from my mother, but also it filtered down and affected all of us greatly. So I think that, you know, I think even in the best of times, there are roles we play within a, family unit that hopefully uh, creates a positive family environment, a loving family environment. So yeah, there, there are certainly uh, pressures associated with that, that I think you have to just kind of welcome them. You know, how lucky are you to uh, have four children? How lucky are you that you have four very good kids? Um, you know, how lucky are you if you meet the right Ellen Ann hates the word partner, but I'm going to use it anyway. If you have the right partner in life, and, you know, I think these are the things that, you know, there's enough stress in life in any family that doesn't have these challenges. But, you know, a family that uh, is in the world of cystic fibrosis, you know, um, it, it's, even, it's even more important the ability to create that right environment, um, you know, and also I think in so many, and we've seen this over the years, you know, there's health stress, there's financial stress, and a lot of times they come together because certainly the CF community isn't immune to, you know, the physical, financial, emotional, all those stresses combined. And I think if you're fortunate, I think these challenges bring you closer together. Uh, in our case, I think it did. I think it's kind of made us the family we are. You know, I've got an extraordinary wife, uh, lead person on the, the health of our children. Um, you know, someone who would, you know, sleep overnight at the hospital, get up at 5.30 in the morning, get picked up at the hospital, go to work, uh, leave work, go back to the hospital, weeks on end. So had a career, you know, very attentive to all our children, obviously. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's, it starts with our relationship, right? As far as our outlook and how we approach things. And I think we feed off each other. I, could, I can't imagine of having found someone better than Ellen um, and, and we both bring, I think, different things to the table. A lot, the, you know, it's like anything. It's the brothers and sisters. You're the same but different. And we're the same but different. Um, and um, 
you know, I, I think we always, we've had common goals. And uh, so she's definitely the person that, and, and obviously you're, you also draw strength from that universe of your family, your uh, close friends. You know, we've got a lot of very good friends who have been with us for years on this, as Eleanor, I don't, I don't like the word journey as much as she does, but she likes the word journey. Uh, but, you know, we've got friends who are like family and who are knowledgeable about the ups and downs that this has uh, created in our life. But it really starts with Eleanor and I. I think, you know, it was our commitment to each other, um, what our goals were for our family, and then how we were going to approach the challenges of certainly initially with Jeff and then, uh, and then with Matt, you know, I don't, we've, we haven't regretted it for a minute. Wow. You know, I never made the correlation, Steve. I know that I knew that you lost your dad at a young age, but I guess I never really took the time to think about how that really shapes you as a person and as a father and husband, because, you know, you saw your mom, like you said, lacking that support system that she would have had. And I guess that makes perfect sense of why, you know, you're the way that you are with Ellen Ann, why you, you know, are an exemplary father, because you know how important that is, because you know firsthand what that void is like. And I just think that's so amazing. And I heard you use the word luck, if you're lucky enough for this or lucky enough for that. And I really don't think it's luck. I really think it's what you exude. Mm -hmm. I think it's what you put out, you're getting back. And, and, you know, you lead with, you know, strength. And with love, and I think that's what attracted you and Ellen Ann together, and I think that's what's created and bonded this family over the past 40-plus years. I think that's amazing. I know that you take your fatherhood very seriously. Very much so. Absolutely. And I know, too, something that you share with both sons is your love of the Cowboys <laughs> and lover of golf. <laughs> and so I imagine over the years, sharing these interests with your sons has been priceless. And I remember when you guys took that trip to Dallas... Now, I'm sure that's a highlight memory for you, but, you know, what feelings does it evoke when you think about that trip to Dallas and you think about those days on the, the golf course together? Well, you know, it's, it's great to have something that's kind of unique with each of your children, right? And uh, whether it's, you know, a love of movies, whether it's the beach, whether it's... Uh, golf, whether it's some career aspect, you know, um, you know, both Katie and Meg are in the education side of the, um, the equation and Ellen Ann obviously had a terrific career in education. Matt has a career in banking. So we share that. So even today, that's a great opportunity for us to exchange perspectives on what's going on in the world today. But it, it's funny you mentioned the Cowboys thing and crazy reason at a very, very young age, I became a Cowboys fan. And lo and behold, uh, because I follow them, all of a sudden I wake up one day and Jeff's a Cowboys fan. And then another day goes by and all of a sudden Matt's a Cowboys fan. And, you know, not not indifferent fans they were very much into it so it really was something that we shared that we 
we're interested in. If we weren't watching a game together, somebody was calling the other one, texting, uh, kind of uh, lived through the highs and lows of following any any sports team. But it was a, it's been a great thing for us. And uh, we went to Dallas twice. Um, and we really went to Dallas because the boys wanted to go to Dallas. You know, um, I certainly loved loved the experience both times. Uh, but, you know, that was really something they wanted to do as a family. Uh, and we had two great trips there. Um, it was just one of those fun things. And again, it's not, you know, it's a non-CF driven connection, right? It wasn't, you know, as much as, you know, both of the boys love movies. Jeff was a huge movie fan. Um, in fact, uh, you know, was a, was a film critic for the college paper at Boston College, and uh, as you know. Uh, but we've just, um, to this day, uh, we, we love it. We're looking forward to the next season already. Um, and it's, you know, it's just one of those bonds that, you know, you want to have, I think, with each of your children. And um, golf, even though Matt is getting into that a bit now, later, later in life, he was not as interested. Like Ryan, he was a basketball guy and still would love to be a basketball guy. But um, I, I just have great memories. Jeff on the golf course. Just priceless, priceless, priceless. But, you know, we think of, you know, both of the boys, obviously, you know, Matt is, is certainly thriving right now and doing very well. Jeff, we just think of every day. Every day. A movie, you know. You know, you mentioned, obviously, in your question, golf. Um, you know, late afternoons, you know, alone on the golf course, prices. Person. I can only imagine the conversations you've had with one another on the golf course. He's always trying to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you didn't he, like that he, too much. He, he was relentless. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, those are just special things that you just keep for right? That, Absolutely. And I love, too, that you said, you know, you try to find non-CF things to, to talk about, to relate on, because you don't want that to be their whole identity. And I think that's great. And and you mentioned Megan, Katie, and, and Jeff being in education, Matt being in banking. I don't think it's a coincidence that they're following in the footsteps of you and Ellen Ann. The influence continues in every area of life. And then, you know, I'm sure as a parent, it's an amazing feeling when you're just living your life being a Cowboys fan, and then your kids wake up and they are, too. You know, the influence is is ingrained in each of them and you can see it. Well, you know, it starts, Caitlin, uh, and your parents would tell you the same thing. It starts with being lucky as a parent to have the children we have, right? Because sometimes despite your best wishes and hard work, things don't turn out as any parent would expect or would want. But, you know, we've been blessed to have kids that want to be with us, uh, we want to be with them. We share things. Um, 
you know, like Ryan, Matt has been fortunate to find a wonderful uh, young woman to be with and marry. So your family grows uh, in so many ways. But yeah, those those personal moments are, you know, Jeff, for example, was, um, you know, Matt's a sports guy. So we, you know, talking about sports and the NFL draft, Jeff and Matt, Obviously, it, it, certainly, it is, a, is also a movie guy, but Jeff was a, you know, years and years of hospitalizations um, to while away the hours, right? Uh, lots of nights alone, movie nights at the hospital, you know, at least once a week when Jeff would be in, we'd have a movie night, and, and then maybe the girls would have a night with them, too, to give Ellen Ann a break, but... Um, you know, th those times alone with your, just with the two of you and your own thoughts, um, little conversations, uh, encouragement, um, you know, trying to get through another lengthy hospital stay, you know, those are just priceless, priceless, but great memories. Great, great memories. Great memories. And you mentioned that uh, Matt is thriving, you know, I, I, and Ryan is as well, and I, I'm so grateful for, for that. And I know there's so many advancements in the CF world. So what is, I know you don't like this word, for Matt and Ryan's journey. <laughs> what is your... <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. I don't like that word. <laughs> what is your wish for them as they continue on this CF road, I'll say? Well, in, in some ways it's simple. Um, it's a long and happy life without limitations or boundaries. It's, uh, they're, they're both accomplished young guys who've already achieved so much. They were high school athletes, college graduates. As I said earlier, both happily married to terrific young women. And as they've always done, never let someone tell them that they can't do something, right? So have those aspirations and have a life of aspiration, but uh, continue to push forward as I, as I know they will. And now, of course, I would be remiss if we didn't end with a question about the three boys, yeah. because, you know, Jeff is always with us. So what message would you like to leave to the three boys who changed all of our world? How proud we are of them and how much we love them. And I'd like to think that because of our experience, our life uh, with them, that we're all better people. I think that this, these are the things that you alluded earlier to my father. These are the things that shape who you are. And, and certainly, I think our experience with Jeff and Matt and Ryan um, and the as Ellen Ann would say, the journey, it makes you who you are. And, and hopefully, I like to think it's made us better people in space. And our outlook on life, our perception on what's important, our ability to prioritize what's important in life, those, uh, as you said, those little moments, trips to Disney World, right, that are very important in our family for a lot of reasons. And, you know, one of the reasons is that 
for both of the both of our guys, and I know for for Ryan the same way. But you know, it started obviously this whole process started with Jeff. It was one of the few places where early on in his life where he felt I think totally at peace and uh, so we have great memories there as a family and uh, you know they've I, I guess we've all influenced them but they've influenced us tremendously 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 absolutely I think we'll leave it there that was perfect Sounds great. thank you so much Steve thanks Gabriel we've already said Corey, Ryan's father, and uh, I am a school principal at St. Paul School in Cranston, Rhode Island, and I'm now speaking to Caitlin, Ryan's lovely yes, wife. Yes, welcome. Thank you for being on today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, I think this was an important topic, and because CF is such a part of your family, I thought that this would be a story worth telling, um, and I think that everyone has an interesting perspective I had the pleasure of speaking to Tony, Mary, Johnny, and Rye, and so I said I have to get a dad's perspective on this because you've been there since the beginning, and it's just that father-son relationship is so important that I thought it would be worth talking about. Absolutely. So, what was going through your mind when you first learned of Ryan's diagnosis? What did those first days look like for you? I heard it from Tony's point of view, but what was going through your head? What did those days look like? Well, it was back on September 2nd. Ryan was born in 1985. And um, I remember we uh, took him over, you know, Tony barely made it to the hospital, by the way. We were up at Mary Hitchcock in New Hampshire. And uh, I, I don't think it was, I don't know how long it was, but it was very quick. Ryan was born and uh, we were thrilled. You know, you can imagine how we felt, how I felt, excited, thrilled, just happy as hell on, on having Ryan as my new son here. and. Uh, to answer your question, I, I think it was a couple of days went by, if I remember, and, you know, Ryan wasn't doing well. And uh, Tony was still in the hospital. And I never forgot the doctors came over to us. Maybe it was two or three days, I forget, but nevertheless, it was a couple of days went by. And the doctor came over to Tony May, talked to us in the room and said, you know, we have to do a lot of tests that we're not quite sure is, is, you know, what's wrong with your son. He was having a blockage because I didn't know what that was. I didn't know anything about it. And I remember saying to the doctor, Tony looked at me and I said, now I know in a hundred years, this would never happen. I said, but I have a nephew by the name of Jeff, who's two years old. I said, and he has cystic fibrosis. I said, but I, I know this, that's not going to happen. And he looked at me and he said, 
Mr. Corey, he said, you just helped your son uh, from us not having to do a lot of tests on him. He said, you saved us a lot of time. And I, I said, sure. So I, I think it was the very, very next day that we were brought into the room, a day went by. They brought us in a room and it was a doctor and I think it was an intern and, and they proceeded to tell us that uh, Ryan has cystic fibrosis. Um, I can't even tell you how I felt. I can't even go there. But I remember Tony and I just, we took a walk. We said to the doctor, can we just take a walk? Now again, it was at Mary Hitchcock, it was at Dartmouth College. So we, Tony and I just walked and, you know, we, we kept asking ourselves, you know, why, you know, why is this, why did this happen to us? And uh, finally, I, I remember looking at Tony and you can imagine how we both felt. And I finally said to Tony, I said, you know what? <laughs> I said, why not? <laughs> why not us? I said, Tony, you're probably the most caring. Um, you know that, Caitlin compassionate yeah, absolutely he's the most caring and compassionate person on the planet i said tony what why not us i said what better family for ryan to be brought up in than, than ours i said as far as me i said you know me i said i would go to the gates of hell for my kids and my family i said that's that's it we just we're gonna move on and i remember the last but not least and i looked at tony i said now the worst part is i said I got to go home to Reading, Vermont, and I've got to tell my mother who came up from Rhode Island, who was watching John Patrick, and I said, I've got to go tell her the news, and I won't even go down that path, what that conversation was about. Right. So, because that's the, not the first time she's had that conversation, right? Because yeah. Ellen Ann had to have the same with Jeff. Well, Exactly. I, I can only say this, and I, I won't say any more. Um, I, I never saw my mother cry before. So you can imagine how that conversation went. So It's a deeply emotional time, and, and you're learning on the fly. It's all happening so fast. I can't even imagine how you guys were feeling, but yeah. I think it's a testament to you and Tony, you know, that attitude of why not us. Yeah. I think it's... Um, shows you know your bond with Tony and you guys were up for the challenge and I think from that day forward it seems like you were just ready to, t to take this journey with Ryan. Yep we were ready to go to this day yeah. hasn't changed. So Now when you and Tony were you know I asked this to all the parents thinking about parenting now you already had Johnny you know there was gonna be a few more years before you had Mary Yep. Did you guys make a conscious effort to raise Johnny and Ryan in a similar way so that Ryan wouldn't feel different? Or did you, was there a tendency no. to baby Ryan or did you, what was the conversation? There? No, we were, we basically said, we're going to, we're going to treat Ryan exactly the way we're going to do John Patrick. I never forgot one day. Uh, I think I, you know me, how I cook, right? I made a beef stew and, uh, Tony had, a, she was getting her master's degree. We were in Reading, Vermont. She left, I said, see you later, bye-bye. And I had the stew, so I brought out the two bowls, you know, one for John Patrick, one for Ryan. And I remember, you know, started giving it to the boys and they looked at me and John Patrick, of course, he did anything, right? He did anything off the floor. I looked at Ryan, Ryan, he kind of stuck up his nose and I said, son, I said, you're gonna eat the same thing. I said, that I eat, the brother eats, I said, and that's the way it's gonna be. I said, we're gonna treat you the same. No, no, no different. We're gonna which was hard as hell. You can imagine how difficult that is to say that, but 
as I look back, it was the best thing we ever did. I know Ryan attributes you making the decision to treat him normally, for him to have to eat the same meals. He, he mentions that exact same scenario. He said, I, I attribute that to the reason why I never felt different, why I grew to be tall. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, he really thanks you guys a lot for that. He mentions that all the time. Yeah. So your instincts were right on with that decision. Yeah, good. And then as far as sports, you know, I know that you saw so much natural athletic ability in Ryan. So did you foster that, you know, athleticism and wanting to get out there and move around for his CF? Was that important to you? You know, it's funny. You know, I can say this, but I just always knew, I don't know why, but I always knew both Ryan and John Patrick were athletic. I, I can't explain it. You know, if I said, I've said it to more people, I said, I just knew they were athletic. They were just had that in them, you know? So what we did was, no, you know, to answer your question, Caitlin, I, I really, I just enjoyed going out with my boys, both of them, you know, playing. I mean, I, Ryan can tell you all the stories where, you know, we had a basketball stand put up. Now we had moved to Woodstock. We moved to Peterkin Hill now. And uh, I remember that day, again, as if it was yesterday, that I think I brought home a football. Maybe we, we had a football, but, you know, we always played basketball. I'd shoot around the hoops for both the boys. You know, they, they, I take them on, of course, they destroyed me, but even at that age, eight or nine years old. But, but I'll tell you the story that I'm not sure if I ever told you, maybe I have, but this one day I, I took out the football. It was a nice day. It was a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever. And just started throwing the football. And of course, I can't throw it right, so I never can get that spiral. So I'm, I'm throwing it to, to both Ryan and John Patrick. And uh, of course, John Patrick's dropping it. He's like a bull in a china shop, you know. So all I remember, and this says it all about Ryan's athletic ability. I'm not sure if you know this, right? Always had big hands, long arms. I would throw, I threw the football, and it was like inches from the ground. Now, mind you, he's eight or nine years old. He took his hands, and I mean, you know how much I love sports and how much I've watched football all my life. He did something that I can't believe he did at the age of eight or nine. He scooped the ball. It never touched the ground. He scooped it up and pulled it in his chest. And I went, oh, my God. So on purpose, I said, I'm going to throw it again and see if he catches this. I literally aimed for the ground. He did it again. He did it again. And his athletic ability was awesome. I, always, I, I remember going into Tony and I said, Ryan will be the best wide receiver in the state of Vermont. I said, he will be phenomenal. He said, he's a natural. He can run. He, the catching ability was unbelievable. I, I always remember that, that he would have been, even moving but down here, I always, I can't tell you sometimes I even start, you know, dreaming. I said, oh, wow. I said, Ryan would have been the best wide out. I said, this, this town would have ever seen. So he, he just, so I just enjoyed going out with him. And it kind of morphed into, you know, as he got older, I said, you know, maybe we just, but he, you know, continued going out with him, but he just liked to go out. He just liked to go out and play sports. And, but I always remember that time with the football, that was probably the epitome where I knew Ryan was not just above other people in his ability as an athlete. I knew that, you know, it broke my heart that I, I knew that, you know, that he wouldn't be able to continue you know, the running, going up and down and, and that. So that's something I, and again, just that broke my heart.
you know. I, yeah, I can imagine yeah. so because I know when Ryan speaks of his, I know playing sports as a kid and teenager, he loved basketball so much and still does oh, to this day. Yeah. And I think that was sort of the biggest, you know, one of the first loss of his life was basketball. Um, that was sort of the first thing that he feels CF sort of took away from him. And because he was sort of blessed in his childhood, he didn't have a ton of hospitalizations. That was sort of the first time that he remembers CF affecting him, you know, affecting his life because he just didn't have that stamina anymore as he got older. Oh, you know, as you know, taking it a notch above in basketball, Ryan, I, I can't tell you how many people I would say, you know, they say, oh, you, you, John Patrick, this and that. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, Ryan has more natural ability. I said, he had the most beautiful shot. Um, oh yeah, I, I, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, how it affected us with basketball. Um, he, he was, he was unbelievable. He was just, he was a natural athlete, Ryan, even baseball. Tony even said to me, we were talking about, I said, and Ryan can tell you the story of the famous Wanup family of Woodstock, Ryan in baseball. He was unbelievable in baseball, basketball, football. He was an athlete. So if he was saying what particular sport? any sport he was a natural well i'm so glad that you know even though it's just because you wanted to be out with your sons it's so great that you fostered that in him because he did enjoy it so much and i think he looks back on playing sports with johnny and being out with you i think those are some of the fondest memories of his life so you definitely knew just what to do just naturally with your instincts as a dad yeah mine as well those are my best moments of my life remember those with the basketball that day with throwing the football and just all those days. I always had yeah. those memories. So. And then after Ryan, Mary came along um, a few years later, a little bit of a gap. Were you nervous, you know, when you were expecting Mary because you didn't know if CF would be another, you know, would wear its ugly head again in Mary? Or how did that work? Well, you know, we were nervous, but at the same time, we were prepared either way. It wasn't, it did to us, it's Tony, I'm not sure what Tony said, but we were prepared. If Mary was going to be born with CF, then Mary was going to be born with CF. So wasn't going to change how we were going to treat her. Uh, we, we would have been upset. But at the same time, as I said before, uh, I couldn't think of a better household that any child, whether with any type of disease or any type of, you know, physical handicap or whatever it may be, we, we were ready. So it wouldn't have changed anything. We would have always had a special place in our heart. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I think that's just such a, again, a testament to you and Tony. Now that you have over 30 years of experience as a parent of a child with CF, what advice would you give to other parents out there who may just have had a baby, just getting a diagnosis and just starting their journey? They may feel overwhelmed, lost, what advice would you give them? Again, you know, maybe I said it before, just treat them like any other child that you have. Uh, let them know that in your eyes that you love them just as much, no matter, you know, how they turned out. Uh, that's probably my best advice. It's kind of corny, but, you know, just uh, treat them just like you would any child. And I guess I can say on a side note, I'd probably blink my eye and I would say to a parent, after I talk to them, I say, I would say, you know, but deep down, they, they always are going to have a special place in your heart. So, Absolutely. You know. And then for you and Tony, you know, as parents, I, I hear a lot of times when parents 
whether they lose a child, they have a child with illness, sometimes that can really, you know, ravage your relationship and tear you apart. Did you guys have to make a conscious effort to make it tether you closer together or did it just come naturally with your communication? I think it just came naturally. I mean, you know, Tony and I just, you know, going on 40 years of marriage here next in, in, uh, in August here. Uh, but it just came natural that we, we just, you know, we always take on what comes our way. It doesn't, um, we just handle it. You know, we've done that for 40 years and, uh, I just, I don't know if that answers the question, but. Absolutely. We, we just, and I think yeah. you and Tony remind me a lot of Ryan and myself because we are far away from our family, even though we're very close to our families. And I know you guys being in Vermont, it was the same. You were very close to your families, but distance wise, you were far apart. So you probably had to rely on each other for support on the hard days. Good point. We did. You're absolutely right, Caitlin. We, we lived in Vermont. Then we moved to Maine for a couple of years. So we were always sort of like you and Ryan, the same thing out in California. You know, we always thought about family as you, as you guys do, but Tony and I, 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 we just drew closer, I guess. You depend, you depend on each other. You just, uh, I don't want to say you love each other more, but you just enjoy each other's company. Uh, that's probably what I, I, if somebody put me against the wall and said, Jack, what is it about your relationship with your wife? I said, I just, you know, love being with her. And and, um, and that's, that's that. <laughs> so yeah, Ryan and I talk about it all the time. We're like, Jack adores Tony. It's the best thing to see after all of these years. Yeah. And I think, you know, for Ryan and Matt and Jeff, having parents who have strong relationships with each other probably made all the difference in their growing up. Because there wasn't that extra turmoil. Exactly. It was like everything was peaceful. So CF was everyone's common goal, like everyone was battling the same battle, exactly. which I think made a big difference. Yep. Well, I know for me, meeting Ryan and, and being with him for almost 13 years, he's taught me so much about life, um, about not sweating the small stuff, not complaining, not worrying about little things. And I think that, you know, CF has really shaped him, of course, in many ways. How could it not? What has CF taught you about life? Uh, like I said, never, never give up. You, you never give up. You, you fight the good fight. I think I told Tony a little something that she may have shared with you on that little something my mother taught me. Uh, you, you just never give up. Ryan and, and, and Jeff and Matt, you know, the determination, perseverance, those guys have. Um, other, I, I don't see that quality in a lot of people I meet. I mean, that's a quality that they have that um, I am so proud of that they, they, they're just so determined in what they do. It's like going out, when we go out to California, we see Ryan, every time we go out there, I go back to the room after we leave you guys, or, you know, whether we're at the hotel, or wherever at, I say, boy, is Ryan in great shape or what? Aww. And, you know, I say, just, uh, just, he's just so strong, he's determined, that he's just got that desire. Um, Maybe I'm going off the rails on the answer of that. No, no. It's, I love to hear your yeah. thought on it. Yeah, you just. Yeah, Ryan definitely makes the effort, you know, because he feels that physical health is, you know, so important. So that's why he's always working out. And even in the quarantine, you know, yeah. he doesn't really let anything really get him down. Yeah. Um, he just pivots. And then that's one thing that I know I love about Ryan is that, you know, we're in the quarantine and he can't go to the gym because, of course, even with the reopening, yeah. CF is just still too dangerous with Corona. Yeah. 
but we have a we just did a makeshift gym in our apartment yep. and he just pivots and that's what I love about him and I might panic and freak out but he teaches me just through his actions that you know just pivot just go with the flow he does. I'm still learning he's <laughs> unbelievable the quality he has doing that is is unbelievable you're right you're right Caitlin he just he goes with it he's he's the I used to always say to Tony too he's got the patience of Job I said he never gives up hope Brian is the epitome of one who doesn't give up again that's a quality that you just can't teach it's it's true great quality great quality and speaking of hope you know I know back when you got that diagnosis in 1985 I know CF had a very grim, you know, everyone had a grim perspective about CF. The life expectancy was so low. Yeah. You probably didn't know what you were in for. But as we've seen over the past almost 35 years with Ryan, that there's been many advancements in CF, that the meds are changing, the therapies are changing, and the life expectancy, everything's changing. So I know, you know, um, for Matt and Ryan, you know, they, they're going to have hard times, but things are looking quite better. What is your hope for Maddie and Ryan as they continue their journey with CF? Well, again, like I said a few minutes ago, never give up. You know, keep fighting the good fight. Just uh, take each day as it comes, and uh, I just like I said, it just don't don't give up. I mean, they, I mean, they, they're the ones that are living. I don't have it, so for me to sit here and say, "Well, do this and do that," I, I, I don't know what to say. It's just that. Again, I just see Ryan, he never gives up. He just always has that smile on his face. Um, he works out when we go there, as you know, he's on the machine, his vest for an hour or two and gets right off it and boom, it's like nothing happened. He just, it's a hell of a, it's a quality that I, I, I again, I, so proud of that with him. I mean, he just, he just doesn't give yeah. Well, you know, Ryan always describes having CF with Matt and Jeff as the little club that you don't want to be in. Yeah. But if you're going to be in the club, at least you're in it with some of your best friends. Yeah. And so Ryan, Matt and Jeff has have changed your lives, your whole family's lives in my life. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing all of you. So what final message would you want to leave to Ryan, Matt and Jeff, the, the three boys who changed our world? Well, I think they wanted um, the they inspired me. They've inspired more people, all three of them, and who they've met and who they've touched in their lives um, with their struggle with CF. I think anybody that meets Ryan or Matt, and of course, Jeff's been, been going now for a couple of years, that they're touched by, they're touched by him. I, I don't think there's a, a moment that I can think of that someone, you know, after they find, and by the way, we never told anybody. I can't tell you more times when, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but, you know, even playing sports, we never mentioned to the coach, oh, you know, our son has cystic fibrosis. Oh, treat him different. And, but my point is, when we did tell them that I can't tell you the look in their eyes and how much they were inspired, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. He's the best player on the team. And I said, I know, I know. So they, they've all, three of them, have touched the lives of others, of us. Um, I, I just, they, they're an inspiration. They're, they're an inspiration. Um, I don't know if Ryan realizes 
how much he is uh, an inspiration for me, but he is, but he is. So if I, I, I guess my final thing for, for Ryan, w that I would say for Ryan is that I'm forever proud to be known as his father. And he is my son.